We have Jason Swank here for Matchcast, our our digital marketing podcast. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about issues that an agency faces. We'll let Jason introduce himself, but just to share with our audience how we met Jason. Jason was speaking at the Traffic and Conversion Summit in San Diego that Digital Marketer puts on. Uh, Jason was talking about how he grew his agency and sold his agency, so we were very excited to go in to listen to his tips. This was back in February. We've been watching Jason's videos and reading his blog posts uh, ever since. What really resonated with me and with us was he talked about, as an agency owner, when you start to hit the moment where your referrals and your word of mouth and your personal networks is great as that can be and has been for us, you have to go beyond that to scale. And so that really resonated with us. We recently spoke at the Unbounce Call to Action Conference in Vancouver. And after we spoke, some agency owners were coming up to us asking you know, how we got certain clients and what should I do about this problem or that problem. We said two things. We said, one, charge more money because they told us what they were charging. And we said, you have to charge way more than that. And two, we said, check out Jason Swank. So that got us thinking that maybe Jason would be willing to join us on the pod. And thankfully, here he is. So thanks, Jason, for joining us. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Jason, if you didn't mind giving us a, a couple minutes of maybe your intro about when we first heard you speak, you, you gave a good rundown of your of your background and your experience, how you briefly grew the agency and how you got to now. Thanks again for having me. So in 1999, yes, when Al Gore invented the internet, <laughs> I designed my first website. Actually, I designed my first website in 98. And it literally was making fun of one of my friends that looked like Justin Timberlake. Way ahead of your way ahead of the curve in multiple respects. Oh yeah, definitely. And so it was making fun of InSync, and so I called it InShip. And it got really popular, and a lot of people went to it. And then people started asking me to design websites. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I was like, all right, five hundred dollars. And so that's kind of how I got my start. So you know, I had humble be- beginnings. I didn't even know what we were doing. I, you know, I even my first client asked me for an invoice. I was like, well, what's that? You know, I couldn't Google it. Google it wasn't around. So, you know, after that, I started transitioning and started building the right systems and, and building out the agency and hiring more people, working with a lot more people and, um, you know, grew it to, you know, a really big agency. And then eventually 12 years later, we sold it. And then uh, now I help digital agency owners. It took me a little while to figure out what I need to do next, but it's the coolest job ever. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, as an agency owner, I certainly appreciate all the helpful content you've put out there and your your willingness to help. So, you know, and you talk about starting the agency and, and charging $500. I mean, that totally resonates with us. I, I think a lot of agencies, ours included, start with similar stories and you don't even send the invoice. You just say, oh, yeah, email, send us a check for that amount. That's there great. And then and then a couple, a couple of clients later, they're like, can you send us an invoice? We're like, okay, now we need an invoicing system. And you just slowly start to add those things on. But I like also the 12 years later part of your story because it sounds like such a straight line. And I'm sure it was not. It's a winding road. There's a lot of peaks and valleys. And so we'd love to dig into a couple of those, if you don't mind. Yeah. I mean, there was lots of times where, you know, we were about to throw in the towel. You know, I remember one time we were probably maybe eight years in and we had a pretty good staff at the time, maybe around 15 to 20. And I remember coming into, 
you know, our Monday morning meeting that we always had. And we would look at the bank account. That's kind of how we would look at cash flow projections, right? And we'd look at our pipeline and we'd go like, man, this doesn't look good. If this keeps continuing, we're not going to be able to make payroll in the next two weeks. And literally we were two weeks away. And I remember coming back and I was so depressed. And so my wife was like, well, why don't you just go get a job somewhere? You know, it seems like you're just miserable. And she's like, well, you know, um, NASCAR is hiring for a CMO. I was like, okay, well, you know, I've helped build brands like LegalZoom and Aflac and all those. So I was like, all right. So I started applying and filling out their first application part. And it asked kind of like, what do you want to do? What don't you want to do? And that kind of stuff. And then it just kind of hit me in the back of the head or kind of like unconsciously. And I said, well, you know, if they're asking this, I can actually create this agency to do whatever I want. So let me get rid of all the stuff I don't like. Let's take care of what we need to do in order to build the pipeline so we don't go through these areas. And we did. And then it just kind of started skyrocketing and we just kept having growth. But, you know, we also had a way where bad things would happen and we were like, okay, how can we learn from this? And we weren't afraid of taking action, which I think a lot of people are, regardless of what kind of business you're at. They're, they're always kind of getting ready to get ready, which always frustrates the crap out of me. I'm like, come on, you know, dude, just take some massive action. And who cares if you fail? If you fail, no problem. Now you don't do it again. On to the next failure. Yeah. When you talked about eliminating the things that you didn't like doing and the ability to kind of step outside of the agency when you kind of flirted with getting a quote unquote uh, job, what were some of the things that you eliminated that you started saying no to, or maybe that you um, delegated that, that allowed you to focus on really growing the agency? Well, one of the first things was project management, right? I was actually managing some projects at the time and we were about a million and a half to 2 million. So, you know, we could definitely afford that. If I could go back in time, that project manager would have been the first person. Because what happens is is you get a lot of projects, and then you take your eye off the ball for building the pipeline in sales. And then as the projects kind of turn down, so does your sales. And you start going in this uh-oh period. The other part was I wanted to get laser focused on where we wanted to take the agency. What did we want to create and get that clarity? What did we want to specialize in? and be known for. Because at that time, we built that business up on referrals and AdWords, right? So people were searching for us or our personal network. And so it was kind of like eat what you killed versus kind of be known for something, all right? And so those are the things we really, really concentrated on. So my role kind of changed from there where, you know, as a CEO, and if you guys are not agency owners, it still applies to you. So as a CEO, my job, my role was to set the vision and direction of the, the business and then share that with the team because my employees were my best assets, not my clients. And so if I could take care of them, if I cared about them, if I could help them be successful and be significant in their lives, then the company could prosper and the clients could prosper and all that. Then the other thing, what I would do is I would coach and mentor just one level deep. And then as, so I would coach, you know, the VP of operations, I would coach the VP of sales, and then they would do the same thing for their team rather than everybody reporting to me, which they used to do because then you're just overwhelmed. The other thing is, is I started coming up with a process where I would assist sales and not do all of sales. 
Just to clarify, at this point, you're doing at a million and a half to two million dollars in sales ish, and you have and you've got how many employees? Fifteen to twenty. Yep. And then what I started realizing too is, is I needed to be the front person of the company. I was kind of always kind of like hiding in the background, even though I kind of, I speak now and you know, I'm kind of my website, you see my ugly mug everywhere. I'm a big introvert. Like I can stay in my house for a year and I'd be contempt. My wife and kids, opposite, right? They need to get out. So I was fine with that, but I realized I need to start building that particular brand and, and start getting it out there. And so, and then obviously understand the financials and really get a, a good grasp on, you know, what our profit needed to be, what was our total expenses, what was the floor that we needed to charge, and then just delegate everything else. And that's what we did. And that's how we were able to kind of just climb out of the hole and stay out of the hole. And then what was the thing that you identified it, that you wanted the agency to be known for? Was it, was it AdWords? Um, no, actually we use that to get clients in, but, um, our thing was, is we were really incredible with design, but we wanted to, you know, but a lot of people said that, right. And so we were like, content management's getting really popular. And so let's start leveraging that for, uh, this new amazing technology coming out that at the time it was Syfinity. A lot of the bigger brands were using it as well as SharePoint. And so we picked those two and we just could do anything, customize the crap out of that, do amazing designs for it. So then Microsoft and Telerik, which owns Syfinity, started sending us a ton of business. And then we were known, like if you wanted Syfinity or SharePoint, people were coming to us for the amazing user experience. And then this is something that we're challenged with at the moment is once you decide what you're going to specialize in and, and be known for, that doesn't mean that you're closing off other areas of business if they're kind of inbound, correct? Exactly. Yeah. You're only marketing to them. Like for now, I, I tell people uh, you know, on my website, this is for digital agency owners, but I work with all kinds of people, right? So it doesn't matter. Um, it's just you're marketing to them. And like I always give an example like Facebook, right? If you're trying to compete with Facebook, you're not going to start off going after everybody. You got to go after that small niche and then start building upon it. Like Facebook, rather than competing with MySpace right out of the gate, they said, hey, we are just for, what was it, Harvard? Harvard students and then Ivy League students and then then universities and then boyfriends and girlfriends stalking each other, right? And then grandparents, all that kind of stuff. So there you go. So, you know, but you have to build your one specialty and then you can grow different practice areas. So we started with Syfinity and then grew it to SharePoint. And then we grew it to BI. Then we grew it to social CRM, right? And so we kept building these practice areas that we could have one leader and that leader would lead that team. And then because you have that uh, chosen area of focus that you want to be known for, uh, from what I'm understanding, the, one of the keys to that is it helps you identify who you should be selling to. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Was that a big breakthrough when you, you mentioned kind of this reset that you went through, you clarified your role, and then things really took off? All this was kind of happening at the same time, I take it. Yeah, uh, big time, right? So it, it eliminates your competition, right? Like, I don't have any competition. My only competition is cat videos and procrastination. That's why if you go to my website, you'll see a cat video, <laughs> right? So, 
you know, it just starts eliminating them because what we saw when we were just doing user experience and web design is we could only win business locally because our competitive advantage, our unique selling proposition, because we didn't help anybody, we didn't have that unique helping proposition. Our unique selling proposition was our location. So they could come at our office and strangle us or shoot us if they wanted. Right. So this was this Atlanta? I, I think you currently live in yep, Atlanta, right? in Atlanta. So then you're looking at certain types of businesses that you think could benefit from these tools that you're specializing in and are in Atlanta. Exactly. But then what we started saying is, is, you know, not screw Atlanta, but let's, let's go broader. Let's see how we can go in the entire U.S. And so when we started doing that, we could identify what's their biggest problem. What does this audience look like? And then we could actually start helping them solve that. And at the time, you know, there was not many people, you know, I'm dating myself. There's not many people just doing content all like they weren't doing like podcasts. I don't even know what a podcast was. You know, some people had, you know, YouTube shows, but, you know, they were doing wine shows, right? <laughs> Gary Vanderchuk was. Anyway. Well, yeah, that was a long time ago. So, you know, we were just writing blog posts and, and starting to do that toward the end um, you know, the market's changed so much of, of what you can do now, but it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. A lot you can do, but then also so much more noise now and maybe a little bit harder to break through with some of those some of those tactics. Now, part of what we're talking about, and and I don't know, this is in my opinion, not a very new thing, but it seems like there's a new a new name for it, which I've been reading about a lot, which is account-based sales. So rather than like a spray and pray approach where you're trying to let everybody know who you are and hope that they come to you, you're doing a lot of research on the front end of a particular business, a particular account in this case. And again, this is something that we're working through at the moment, but in your case, you're able to specialize. So then you're able to identify very specific businesses and then individuals at those businesses that are the people who could make the decision to, you know, at some point bring you on board and hire you as an agency. Related to that, we're finding all these really interesting tools for prospecting. And certainly LinkedIn and LinkedIn Sales Navigator is is in the middle of a lot of these tools. But then there's people building kind of tech on top of it, where they're calling it like the sales tech stack. And we'll put a, a good link in the in the show notes here that gives a pretty exhaustive list of companies in this space. So once you have identified an account and an individual that's a fit for your specialty and you start to kind of approach them and, and hopefully help at first, how do you solve the problem of, of timing? You know, there's so many businesses that might be a fit for what, for what you did or for what we do or for what agency owners out, out there do. The challenge that, that I find is that maybe they already work with an agency or maybe they hired somebody six months ago, or maybe it's a year and a half from now that they're going to hire someone. How do you manage that? That timing is so important when you're, when you're doing outbound. Well, the, the thing is, is we had a requirement in order for them to work with us. They had to work with an agency before. Haha, <laughs> That's a good one. Because you don't want to train someone. It's kind of, I can use a bunch of other analogies that which I won't, um, but you know you don't want someone for the you know the first time working with an agency. So most of the time when we would do cold calling and be successful at it, you know it was like an audit. We say, hey, you know I know you're working with an uh, agency right now, but what we find is I know you're spending over ten thousand dollars a month in AdWords, and there's a lot of gaps and things that you may be missing out and overspending. 
we can offer a service in order to audit that. And then it's also, you know, it's all about kind of positioning to help them first. Or saying something like, I interviewed someone on my podcast. Uh, if you go to jasonswank.com slash four, it was a really good interview. It was like the fourth one. I was like, it's still one of my favorites. Because I interviewed uh, the CMO of IHG, International Hotel Group. And I said, how can a smaller agency get into a bigger brand like cold calling? And he said, you know, I get calls all the time saying, you know, hey, I'd like to take you out to lunch or golf or send you stupid stuff, right? And he's like, I just ignore him. But if someone calls me and says, hey, Dell, we work a lot in the hospitality industry and we see this power editor just really breaking through and, and doing amazing things for your particular industry, I'd love 10 minutes just to show it to you and just to tell you about it. And then you could go do it yourself. And he would take that call all the time. And what they had... At the time, I think it's more of a budget now, and Dell doesn't work there anymore, so don't call Dell. <laughs> Everybody's like, right now, what's Google searching one? Dell. Yeah. Um, but they had like, I think, 50 or 60,000 in play money. So they would test out you know, different things that they would try out new, and then they would start that relationship. And it's all about like when you're calling into these people, you're not pitching marriage. That's the, the, that's the biggest thing. You know, people are trying to, they're very impatient. In, in everything. And so you just help them out and just invite them to a lunch and learn, whatever it is, right? And then you start putting them through your campaigns or you start building that relationship like you would want a relationship built with you. Kind of like if, if anybody gets on my list, you're going to get a, a lot of emails from me based on how you engage with me, but you're going to get a lot of videos. So some people are on my list for a year and a half before they pull the trigger. But when they come to me, I don't have to do any selling. They're like, hey, I'm ready. Where, where, where do I sign? Makes sense. And one thing that's really maybe accessible about that tip that Dell gave where you come with something that not everybody else is doing is that stuff is so doable if you're a small agency and it's so doable in, you know, in our example, in digital marketing, because there's things that are constantly changing and there's always something new. I mean, you could just like go to the Facebook developers blog and as soon as they launch something new, figure out how to use it and then start bringing it to people. Certainly we're like to think of ourselves as early adopters in that way. Like we're just like now constantly building audiences off of Facebook video. And maybe this is a, a discussion I have uh, offline with you, Jason, but there's, there's really interesting ways to apply what you just said. And 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 take the new thing and 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 show someone else this tool that you're really excited about. Oh yeah, I mean, and you have to be different, right? I'm so tired of people being a me too agency or a me too business, right? Everybody's doing the same thing because it's hot. It's kind of like a stock. Everybody buys that stock, and then what happens? It goes down. And you just need to find your own thing that you love. Like I, we love doing like creative and design and then and bolting it on to custom development. Like no one was doing it back in the day. Now everybody says they do it and some do it. But that's how we were unique. And and as the market changes, you need to change. So like the problem I see with a lot of businesses, they know how to do something and someone offers them money, kind of like the in shit deal, right? And I could have just kept doing websites. Well, if I kept doing websites, I would have been out of business quick because people wanted more than a website. And they get too busy with their clients and they don't set up a way to innovate and always constantly look at being ahead of the curve of what's coming down next and being willing to try it so that you can keep building on where people actually look at you as an advisor versus as a hands-on person, like actually doing the work. 
Yeah, you have to be able to do both, I think. You have to offer high-level strategy and guidance and position yourself with the client so that they will pay attention and listen to you. And then not just be, in our opinion, a consulting firm where uh, you're just telling them what to do, but then you can also put your money where your mouth is and actually execute the work and then show results. Yeah, you you said it right. Like, so if you think of both spectrums, like most agencies are kind of the roll up my sleeves, go do it, right? And that's on one spectrum. The other spectrum is the consulting where people go to for advice. The consulting is starting to like kind of breach in the agency space, right? Because they're actually starting to do the work. So it's kind of, you got to kind of be the, you know, both. You need to be the advisor and the doer. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to jump back briefly to something you mentioned earlier, which is uh, the hot stock that then is on the way down. What would you think if you look back over six months or a year? And, and I also think that maybe you don't do this work as much as you used to, and you're in a different business, but just based on your perception of, say, digital marketing or just digital agencies generally, what are the hot stocks that you would not buy at the moment that you would sell? Well, I bought a lot of stock in Facebook, literally. Um, and, you know, uh, but I feel that there's too many agencies jumping onto that bandwagon. And so that's kind of going to be like the new content, you know, like a couple of years ago, it was the content marketing, like inbound, right? I'm an inbound agency. I'm like, well, if you didn't jump off that bandwagon, you need to be a lot more than inbound, you know? So I would just be careful on that front. You know, one of the ones I think that's pretty intriguing that I'm starting to mess with is kind of like the YouTube ads yeah, and and what you can do there. And I love AdWords, but people have to be searching for you. And that's only, that's a very small part of the market. That's the biggest thing. But you know, as more and more of us marketers get onto Facebook and screw it up, people are going to start abandoning that. You know, um, I love Snapchat, you know, that that's really pretty cool. Um, Just be different. Just pick something that you really know and that you can come up with this amazing strategy for, and then ride that as long as you can with always kind of looking for that next innovation. Cool. When talking about niching again, do you advise niching based on a service offering? It sounds like you you found a, a, a tool that you were excited about that you thought could help a lot of companies and started there. You know, We've gone back and forth in our minds where are we niching based on something that we want to offer clients and offer the world? Or are we niching based on this is a certain kind of business or we're going to go after universities or we're going to go after fitness businesses or whatever? Do you see those two differences? And and what do you recommend there? Yeah, so we did both. We had, you know, what I call kind of the verticals, which are the industries, right? So we went after like healthcare and higher education and automotive and, you know, that kind of stuff, right? And then we also had kind of the horizontal, which was kind of the product offering or the services, that kind of stuff. I think we kind of fell into it. Um, but if I had to do it over again, I would pick a vertical, an industry, because then you can define that person a little bit more. And then you could start adding. It's kind of almost like you're trying to get at the crosshairs, right? You're trying to meet the vertical and the horizontal together. That's the the best. And so then you could be ultra specific. And you know you're there when you're pushing away a lot of people. That's what your job is. And then the people that you're actually going, if you're not a digital agency owner, if you're not over this amount of revenue, if you're not struggling with this, get the hell off my site. Right. And then people are like, I'm struggling. I'm a digital agency owner. Right. And you're attracting more than you're actually pushing away. But for right now, it works. 
in a couple years? Don't know. Everybody would probably be doing it. And then as a side note, it's kind of interesting when you tell somebody no, how badly then they want it. Like you said, like you say, oh, I'm sorry, this is not right. This is not a right fit. And then very often they're like, well, why not? It should be. I want it. Oh, big time, right? You know, I mean, like if you look at my site, you can only buy like my proposal template and my agency documents right off my site. Everything else you have to qualify for or go through. Like I have so many, so many different things that we offer but you have to go through the basis in order to get to them. Well, Jason, we hope this is the start of a long relationship, but for a second here, we're going to put you on the spot. You're really, really great at giving away lots of helpful content to agencies, but you know, just to throw you through the ringer here, a lot of things that you've been talking about. So MatchNode, our agency, we start with strategy first, and we just love doing that. Like My co-founders and I just love talking business with business people, especially small, medium-sized business owners. So like we almost couldn't stop ourselves from doing that if we wanted to. And then the way that we're approaching the ever-changing landscape where you know, you're talking about AdWords being limited because the demand has to exist. And it's really just demand fulfillment. In some ways, it's like order taking. Uh, and on the other end, there's tools like Facebook, which which can generate a little bit of demand that, that wasn't already there. And then we've got conversion optimization. So we do strategy, traffic, and conversion. And it's worked for us to a degree where, as you can hear, we're working on niching. And we do a decent job closing when we get a interested party at, you know, deep in a conversation. So we're really trying to systemize prospecting. And, and just based on your sense, briefly, where do you see a, a hole in, in the approach where you'd put a finger first and start to pay attention to? For your approach of like who you're targeting or what you guys are offering? Either. Which one would you pay attention to first? Your audience. Who you're going after. You have to get laser specific. Like, you know, I could have said, I am going to help out B2B companies where most people start off, right? Or small businesses. And I'm like, small business is not a target market. You have to drill down several levels. So then after I said B2B, I said, okay, agencies. And then I could have said, well, there's lots of agencies, right? There's traditional and there's digital. And then I was like, well, digital agencies. And then I said, digital agencies that are struggling with X. So you have to get laser specific. That's where I would focus. And then you got to figure out too, like, why do you exist? Like, what's your why, right? Like my why on this go around is I want to create something that I wish I had. And I'm just telling stories of what worked for me and as what I wish I had, and then, you know, let the rest go through it. And then it sounds like your why on the previous go around had more to do with the employees and developing people. Yeah. Or why to make money. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, why. right. You know, that's it's a simple. Why? Yeah, that was a simple. Why. There's, and there's a lot of reasons why, you know, make money on a personal level to, you know, grow a family or build comfort or have some certain lifestyle. Then there's the make money on a more kind of agency practical level to, to make payroll and to be able to invest and to be able to do things good that are nice for your employees to, to develop them and add support and things like that. Yeah. And the thing is, is you can't make decisions based on money. And, and I always laugh when I, I tell people this because I remember people tell that to me and I'm like, yeah, you're full of shit. You got money now. So it's easy for you to make that. But you figure that out after. It's not about the money. Like it took us, I think, six years to hit the million mark at our agency. Okay. Mm-hmm. In 11 months, I did that here. But I also had a huge track, you know, I had a lot of of lessons, a lot of lessons, right? But on this go around, I really didn't focus on, you know, the money. I wanted to create something that I wish I had. That was my why. So I think that's probably one of the most important things 
I wish I saw the video. Um, there was a great TED speech. Uh, probably all of you guys, hopefully you guys have seen it or if you link it up. It's of Simon Sinek and it's a TEDx speech. And he talks about the power of why. Like Apple, they, you know, it's not about like what you do. It's why you do it. Like, so like he gives an example of Apple. He goes, well, we don't build computers. We give people the opportunity to build amazing things by using our boxes, right? So that's their why. And so when you start communicating that, people start getting behind what you believe in that why, right? And it's pretty powerful. Yeah. And then when you're talking to a would-be client or a prospect, you can you can tell when your why resonates with them. And that just creates connection that can flow through your entire engagement and hopefully a long-term period of doing work together. And, and then you really feel a fit. And then you have retention. And then... And then on the other hand, it also will filter out people who don't connect to it. So we joke about money as being kind of the practical why or the results, but it it seems like we're getting around the idea that it needs to be something external and more uh, profound and maybe intrinsic, especially because the work that we do is about other people. It's it's never about really us. It's always about the client or the client's customers. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Jason, we really appreciate it. You've given us a lot to think about. Like I said, hopefully this is the beginning of a long ongoing conversation because we're certainly intrigued by the help that you have to offer. We will definitely check out that Simon Sinek TED Talk and link and, and link it up in the podcast. Anything you'd like to add in closing, Jason? No, you know, if, uh, if you guys want to know more, if you go to jasonswank.com slash wahoo, I'm doing a test. I want to see how many people actually remember it. So Wahoo, I grew up on a street called Wahoo, like the fish, all that. But uh, I got some cool stuff there. So make sure you you go there and uh, you'll have a little laugh. We'll link that up and our listeners should please check that out. Uh, sounds like it might be funny. Uh, Jason puts out a lot of great content, a lot of great video content. Like he said, uh, one thing that I appreciate about it, Jason, is how you kind of chunk it up into small, small bits that are more digestible. So there's a lot of two and three minute videos that you can watch that with very specific questions that that agency owners or, or, or business owners as well can find a lot of good advice from a guy who's uh, been through it. Cool. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you, Jason. Take care. Thanks very much. 